Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Armand. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today, um, what I, want, I think we wanted to talk through is A, a little bit of follow-up um, on the pricing discussion we had a few episodes ago, and B, talk about the actual app that we were talking in vague terms about then um, and that I recently launched. And given that even for, even for someone like me, launching an app is a fairly rare thing um, in the scheme of what we do. And so you know, having just done it, I wanted to kind of talk through that what that process is like, both sort of functionally as well as emotionally, and kind of just go from there. So first, the app that I launched is probably worth saying is called Activity++. If you have any familiar with any of my work, you're probably familiar with an app called Pedometer++ or Sleep++ um, or Emoji++. I've kind of got into this thing where Plus Plus is sort of like the name, you know, it, it's actually really helpful from a naming perspective because I just take whatever like proper noun or verb that uh, you know describes the thing that I'm doing, add a plus plus, and that kind of works as a trade, you know, sort of like a trademark thing that people recognize. Um, Which but, is great because it helps you avoid actual trademark conflicts because like like activity is not a trademarkable word in, in that exactly. area. Like like you're not going to have a conflict with that. Although it doesn't do you any favors with App Store search. No, it does not. But <laughs> that is a well. As best I can tell, like half helps because the plus plus, as far as I can tell, is ignored for the purposes of search, um, at least as best I can tell. And so when people search, I do very well for generic searches, but I do not do well for exact searches, um, which, you know, it's, it's good and bad. But, um, you know, it's, it's the plus plus naming kind of came by accident more than intentionally. Um and so it just sort of was one of these things of like, well, now now that it now that it exists and whether or not it's great or not in the app store search, it just sort of is is its own thing and would be, you know, would would be worse to change than to stick with. So um, that's just sort of where I am. I like uh, it. Yeah. But and it seems and I think it works well. It's, it's, it's it rolls off the tongue. Everyone kind of knows how it works. Um, and yeah, and it's I like it. And it's, I like that it's geeky, too. Um, but anyway, so Activity++ is a something that takes advantage of the new some new APIs that were added in 9.3 and WatchOS 2.2, um, where we can finally get access to all the data in the Activity app. So, um, so if you have Apple Watch, you'd be familiar with like the three rings. There's like the red ring, which is your active calories, the green ring, which is your amount of exercise, and the blue ring, which is the amount you've stood or hours you've stood in a day. Um, and we finally have access to that as a third party. And so what I did is I just said, I have a lot, of, I use the activity app a lot. I like that sort of concept um, of measure, measuring how I'm doing in terms of activity and fitness. But I don't really like Apple's activity app, especially on the phone. Um, I find it really awkward. Like there's all, it's trying to do so much. And because of that, it does the basics kind of awkwardly. So you know, as soon as I saw that I could do this, um, whenever they announced 9.3, which I think was a couple months ago, I like I dived into it. It's like this is something that I wanted to do, and so I did. You know, I made an app that um, is an alternative to that. It's this is an area that I think uh, if you're a developer looking to find like a new market to get into, this is always something that I've found some success with of looking through the API diffs every time Apple releases something and saying, you know what, this is something new. Something like there, is, this type of app is entirely not possible. Um, before and then suddenly is possible 
So there's you're necessarily going to be competing in a smaller market, um, which I'll mention a bit later, but it's always a helpful thing to kind of dive into that because the reality is like you, there's sort of like there's three types of apps that are probably sort of worth making. There's the something like this where it's sort of new and novel because it couldn't have been done before if you know for sort of for policy reasons or technical reasons like this data just wasn't available to third-party apps before and you can go ahead and do that or, or you could there's like the apps that are just like sort of truly novel like someone just sort of invents something totally new which are typically very hard to do or think up um, or the third is the is the type of app that are just it's, just, it's like it's the same thing just done slightly better or different and the last two um, like if you can do the for the second one where you have like true innovation, like you just invent something amazing that could have been done before, um, but now you're doing it in a better way, more power to you. That's awesome. Uh, that's pretty rare and you know kind of hard to just do what do um, on on a regular basis. So most people end up doing the apps that are just like the same thing that's been, you know exists before but done better. Um, but those are really competitive because by nature of being something you could have done before, people already have. And so whenever you have an opportunity to do the first thing, to be able to just do something that wasn't possible before just because of technical reasons or policy reasons, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. And so, you know, sort of that's what I did. And it's I've now launched it. I think I launched it uh, last Thursday. And you know, the launch has been going well. It's been doing... Um, been very, very well received, which is always really, you know, affirming with something like this, because uh, you put it out into the into the world, and you never really know what's going to happen. Uh, but in a bit of a twist, it is a paid upfront app, and in fact, it is a three dollar paid upfront app. Which, if you were listening to our discussion two or three episodes ago, where I talked about pricing, uh, paid upfront was the form of business model that I had uh, at the just sort of in our final conclusions had kind of thrown out as not possible. And so that's a bit of a surprise. Um, and But I wanted to kind of talk through why I did that, because I think it's helpful as a, as a thought process to sort of show that what we're doing as, you know, as independent developers and developers in general, but especially as independent developers, is we have to be making these decisions that ultimately, like, there's no right answer for. You can never know like which business model is going to be best. There's a lot, you can never know which design decision is going to be best. Like when you're designing your icon or designing your layout, like there's all these things that you just have to make a decision and you have to just sort of live with it. Um, but you kind of, and you have to work out what process makes the most sense for you. So in this case, I looked at, the, you know, I looked at for pricing and you know, as we finished in our last discussion, like I was probably leaning towards something like free with ads or something like that. And the more that I thought about that, like the next week I listened to the episode a couple times and I was just kind of mulling it over and I kept being like, you know what? Like, I don't like how this feels. I don't like that more and more of my business is becoming reliant on ads, um, especially in the time of kind of a little bit of I mean, turmoil is the wrong word, but it's, there's a little bit of upheaval in terms of exactly what the right advertising platform is, what that's going to look like come uh, when IAD ends this June. And it seemed like a really poor time to be doubling down on that model. And so I said, you know what, I'd rather have diversity um, in terms of I'd rather have a paid app, even if it didn't perform theoretically as well as um, a free app. Um, just to have some diversity, to have some some backup in terms of if one of my free with ad apps starts to really plummet in terms of revenue, I have something to back up. And the biggest thing that was holding me back was the thought that, oh, man, this is a watch app, though. And so if you don't have a watch, people are going to be annoyed. Um, but I saw in the app store, there was an app called HeartWatch, um, which is by a gentleman named David Walsh, who um, is a similar kind of thing, but it's 
focused all on the heart rate data that the Apple Watch collects. And it's a great app, and I'd recommend um, you taking a look at it if that's something you're interested in. Um, but I was kind of curious if he was having this trouble because he had a hit paid app. And it didn't seem like in his App Store reviews and in general that he was having trouble with people complaining that, oh, I, I bought your app and I don't have a watch, you know, boo-hoo. Um, and so I was like, okay, maybe that's not a problem. And then I did what I always do when I'm trying to deal with these types of problems is I went to a spreadsheet because for me, I can't make decisions like this without a spreadsheet usually because I need to have something that I can kind of point to rationally and say, you know, is this viable? Is this going to work? Am I being foolish? And um, I, in just looking at myself, it's often easy to kind of confuse, you know, confuse or betray myself um, by kind of what I want or what I think would be nice. Um, but numbers, temp to, you know, if, if you're doing it right, typically can't do that. And so I took a look at the, you know, how much money I make per user um, right now in Pedometer Plus Plus, which is my, you know, my, my a single biggest app, um, which is like in my mind, the best case scenario for a new app would be it would match that. And right now, um, and I do it on sort of on the basis of new users, not of active users or existing users, because that gets really complicated. So I tend to look at it as like based on the number of downloads I get, how much revenue do I get each day? And for Pedometer right now, it's like 20 cents a user um, or something like that, which I think for a free app is actually not too bad. Um, and so then the nice thing when you think about that, though, is like if you sell an app for three for three dollars, you end up with two dollars and 10 cents uh, back from Apple um, for each user. And so as long as you can maintain a tenth of the downloads that you get otherwise, you'll kind of break even. And I looked at that and I was like, you know, 10x, that, that seems doable. That seems possible. Like the number of downloads per day that Activity++ would have to have to maintain that isn't completely inconceivable. And so I went for it. And the nice thing about free uh, or sort of starting paid rather than free is that I can always switch and go free later if I want. Um, you know, I can use the App Store receipt system to know if someone paid for it up front or not. And if they did, then great. You know, I'll just sort of hide the ads or hide the in-app purchases or whatever it is. Um, but I can always make that change down the road. And so that's what I did. And it you know, seems to be working. I feel good about it, which is probably uh, the best thing that in the end, I like that, you know, it's, it's a more it feels a bit more premium it feels a bit nicer of an app to not have any ads in it to not have to think about that kind of stuff um, and to just put it out as you know something that's good yeah, it's also i mean just you know as we discussed in the pricing episode a paid upfront model is just so much simpler on you on, on the developer you know for both designing the app around it and also just having to code all the in-app purchase stuff or embed other people's crazy kind of creepy ad frameworks free up or paid up front is just so much easier and and simpler and it really does just simplify the model you know what's the relationship between you and your customers what's being done with their data if anything uh you know how do you how do you survive how do you make money like it's all right up front there and there are downsides to it of course but i think if you can make the numbers work out paid up front is is of course the easiest way to do it and and overall the i mean by easy i mean simple it's the simplest way to do it and there's a lot of benefits to that Exactly. And, you know, like I said, I'm happy with it right now. And I think the reality is with pricing is there is no like there, there's no good answer. There's no like right answer because like, the reality is as soon as if as developers we determine like, oh, this is the perfect thing to do. You know, if you do this, this and this, you'll maximize revenue fully um, like sort of it's almost like the stock market. If, as soon as that becomes known and everyone does it, it'll almost inevitably become the wrong thing <laughs> right um, like by the nature of everybody doing it it saturates that type of thing and then it becomes problematic and so ultimately 
Like you just have to go with your gut and decide what you're going to feel comfortable with. And in, in this situation, I was like, you know what? I, I like this app. Like I really felt proud of it. And I was like, I don't want to put ads in it. Like I don't want to, I, I like the way it looks. I want it to look that way. And, you know, so this is the, this is the road I went down. And I think, you know, it, the market was better than I was fearing it might be. Um, I, it's definitely still in the like uh, the very steep drop-off phase where your first couple days are like, yay, this is awesome. And then it starts to go down. And every day, you know, I log into iTunes Connect <laughs> and I'm like, is this the bottom? Is this the bottom? What about this? Is, that, is this the new bottom? And uh, I don't think we've quite reached there yet, which is, you know, always a bit scary. Like, is it going to go all the way to zero? Like, where's this going <laughs> right. to go? But, you know, so far so good. And I think there's still something to be said for you know paid upfront apps like and the funny thing is i didn't have anyone that i was aware of complain about the price um at three dollars at you know at three dollars which um, also surprised me slightly that it wasn't like oh three dollars i guess but i guess once you're paid you know you're paid and the difference between a dollar and three dollars is uh, much more like intellectually minor compared to free and a dollar so yeah that worked out kind of well I think maybe one of the reasons you're able to do it for this app is, you know, as you said at the beginning of the show, like the kind of different apps that you have, uh, different types of apps that, that are possible to make. In this case, this is a very non-crowded category. So it is, in many ways, it behaves a lot more like the early app store, back when the entire app store wasn't very crowded, uh, which was actually very short-lived. But, you know, that was like maybe a couple of weeks. But at that time, you know, you could you could sell something for five, ten dollars and it didn't even have to be that good, and people would buy it because they wanted that kind of thing, and there just were no other alternatives, or there were very few other alternatives. And in this case, you know, when when you do what you what you gave as like the first type of app you can make, which is the kind of app that just recently became possible by some kind of API or technical change, uh, you you effectively create or you enter a market where there is almost no competition up front, and it is kind of like those first few weeks of the App Store where you can charge a price up front. And if people want that kind of app, they'll be more willing to pay for it because there aren't 50 free alternatives that do the exact same thing right below it in the app store search. Exactly. And, you know, it's a nice thing to take advantage of. So, but yeah, so the launch has been going well. Um, something else I wanted to talk through a little bit about the launch, because I, I get this question a lot from people who are launching their first app. And it's like, how do you get attention um, for, you know, for, for a new, a new product? And, some of it is just like, well, you just kind of have to keep trying, which is not a very satisfying answer. Um, but I was very, you know, very grateful for, I had a few um, news and press sites write up the app, um, which is always really kind of exciting and awesome to see, like, you know, something you made on a site that you, um, that you respect deeply. And so the way in which that I would recommend, the biggest like recommendation I can make with that is to make sure what you're doing when you're reaching out to them, and like you should be reaching out to the press ahead of time, like especially the sites that you read yourself, like it sounds a lot better if it doesn't come, if it's not like a cold call insofar as like you read the site, you know, the kind of things they do, you know, what, what excites them, you know, like some sites are really interested, um, in the visual design or the typography or those types of things. Um, other sites tend to be more feature focused. And so when you're writing your emails, like write a different email to each of those people, um, letting them know, um, take advantage of the test flight system, which is something that I did you know, this time around where it's nice to be able to send out copies of your application to, uh, you know, to the press. I, I personally take the approach of always asking if they want access to it. Like I'll send them an email first. Um, whenever I've had a couple people do this to me, where like you've, you just sort of like blindly get a test flight in flight 
invite for an app that I've never heard of. Yeah, it's no good. It's that's not really what you want. Like you want to have the personal reach out first and say, hey, this is something I'm working on. Maybe include a few screenshots or a video or something like that. Send that out to somebody. And at the end, just say, hey, if you know, if you want to check this out, I'd be happy to send you a test flight. And, you know, if you're doing it right and if you're sort of targeting your message to them appropriately, that, you know, you look at what other articles they've read and you said, hey, you know, I saw that you wrote, um, you know, this article about another another you know, fitness tracker or something, or that seems to be something that you're, you know, that's relevant to you. And like, actually, you know, if, if you are correct in that, like go to a website, see who's the one who writes about the products that are typically, you know, that would be, be appropriate. And you send that over more often than not, they'll say, sure, send me a test flight. Um, Cause obviously, it, but it's much better coming from that respect than just like a blind thing. So that was just something I wanted to um, mention, but yeah, then otherwise you just kind of keep at it. Um, it's, it certainly is easier. I will say having done this for so long and having some amount of reputation and, and platform, you know, I, I, it is doubtless easier than that, that, you know, in, in that regard. And, you know, in the way it's like, Oh, it's, you know, like that's, that's nice for underscore to be able to um, reach out to people and, and know it. But, you know, the reality is everyone starts off this way. Like no, I did not, you know, the first time I wrote, um, you know, was had an app written up by a publication. It was a big deal for me because I'd tried many times before and gotten nothing. Um, so you just kind of have to keep trying and hope that in the, in the end it'll happen and, you know, be respectful of people. And if, you know, you write, write an email to somebody and they don't write back, um, it's not the kind of thing that's like, oh, I wonder if they didn't get it. Let me bring this to the top of their inbox. Let me respond three times. Like, just be respectful and understand that they may have respond, not responded because they... Um, just don't have time or they're not interested and they're trying to, you know, it's kind of, be, it's easier to be kind by just not saying anything sometimes than it is to, um, you know, try and respond back in, in in the negative and, you know, just sort of hope for the best. Our sponsor this week is Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com. Pingdom is a great monitoring service for websites. Uh, if you go to pingdom.com, you can get a free 14-day trial. And when you enter offer code RADAR at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. Now, I personally have been a Pingdom customer for, I think, almost 10 years now. Uh, we used it in the early days of Tumblr, and I use it for all my own projects since then. And it is, it, we used it the, the entire time I was at Tumblr, actually. So uh, they might still use it. And it is just so good for monitoring websites for uptime, for error conditions, uh, or even for changes. So there's so many ways you can use Pingdom. I mean, first of all, you know, if you have a website or a web service that you run, any kind of any kind anything that can be checked over HTTP or HTTPS, basically, you can have Pingdom test that for you, and they can test it once a minute or less frequently than that if you want. They can test it from seventy different global test servers around around the world, so you can see if you're like down in some region of the world for some reason, maybe some crazy routing issue. You can see that, uh, and you know, Pingdom. It, I know for as you know, just from having used it, that my stuff breaks in minor ways all the time. You know, I might have a server with low RAM or a disk is running low or, you know, there's some kind of weird connectivity issue where like half the servers just disappear for a minute and, oh, that was a problem with the host maybe or with, with a routing issue somewhere. Uh, so Pingdom has helped me find all these things over literally almost a decade. I think I, I started using them in roughly 2006, 2007. So it really has been almost a decade. And they are just the best at this stuff. Uh, we've even used Pingdom, you and I, David, have both used Pingdom to do things like monitor the WBDC page for changes. Yeah. Back, when, back when it was like a first come first serve ticket system, uh, where we would have it set up so that like, if the WBDC page changes, it would alert us. 
as if one of our websites was down. So you can do SMS alerts, you can do push notifications, you can do emails. And, uh, and so it's great for that. It's great for monitoring your own stuff. All you need to give them is a URL to hit, and you can have them either check to see if it gives a response or if it gets a certain substring or doesn't give a certain substring as a response. Um, you can do SSL. You can do cookies. There's so much stuff you can do with Pingdom. I definitely recommend it personally, and I don't do that a lot. I personally recommend Pingdom for anything you have to monitor either for uptime or for changes or for performance. Uh, so check it out today. Go to pingdom.com for a 14-day free trial and take 20% off when you enter the offer code RADAR at checkout. Thank you very much to Pingdom for sponsoring our show. All right. And the last thing I wanted to kind of talk through about a launch is kind of the actual dynamics of it, like the actual timing and um, sort of logistics of doing it. Because it's kind of a, a, a tricky process because when you are trying to launch an app, you don't really know when that's going to be. Sometimes, um, you know, I think I, sub- I submitted this application as soon as it was physically possible to submit 9.3 binaries. And from that point on, like, my goal is to be ready to... Um, launch it whenever Apple is, you know, is, is available. Because like we've been saying this episode so many times, there's a certain element of like first mover advantage with something like this. Like you want, if it's, you're building something that's newly possible, being one of the, you know, being the first or second um, application that takes advantage of that API is going to be much more um, useful to you than if you're just like one of 10. And so I wanted to be, you know, like I sat there um, in iTunes Connect, trying to hit submit and having it come back and say, like, we're not ready for this binary version yet. We're not ready for this binary <laughs> version. Like, essentially, every t- 10 minutes until I think it was about 10 p.m. that night um, when it finally went through. And it's like, you know, that's I wanted to be that confident that I was like the first of the 9.3 apps in line. That's dedication. Well, and this is this is the thing, though. Like, I've spent months working on this. And so, I, you know, if you know spending an afternoon sitting there hitting next you know it's like try 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 um gives me any advantage i'd feel foolish if in the end that you know like not doing that would have uh, you know would have come back to come back to bite me um in this case it ended up taking a, a bit longer than usual for app review which can be a bit you know always a bit worrisome uh, we talked about that a little bit in, you know, in our last or our second to last episode i think about app review um, but it's just the reality sometimes you never really know. And so what I did though, and this is like the thing that I always try and make sure that I've done is have anything that you're going to be doing about the launch. Like I tend to have like a blog post, um, that, that you know, that I launches lo- along with the app and, you know, certainly keeping people in the press aware of the situation, um, but have everything ready to go. So that like whenever Apple said, Hey, you're approved, I could go ahead and launch it. Um, you know, so I had my blog post written, I had the screenshots all done for that, like everything was ready and waiting, um, which is much better than, you know, you finally get, you get your approval email, um, which is, you know, yay, that's exciting. And then you're like, oh, goodness, now what do I, you know, now I need to do all this work. But like you had weeks or days when you had nothing else to do for this application that you could have been doing it. So definitely something that I recommend doing. Um, kind of comically this time, um, and emphasizing how much you have, how little control you have over the timing. I ended up launching this app while I was on vacation with my family. Like I actually <laughs> hit release this version while I was um, sitting in the in a children's museum um, in Phoenix, which was kind of just like a strange place to be sitting on a bench and like you know what I need. It's like I need to to get this out, um, but it worked. You know, the iTunes Connect app um, that you, Apple puts out um, is very useful and can do all these types of things and. Um, 
you know, you, the nice the, one thing I will say, and this is a recommendation if you are certainly new to this, is launching an app that doesn't have any back backend services related to it is incredibly uh, relieving because <laughs> there was no servers for me to monitor. You know, see our sponsor. Like I didn't have any notifications or things that I need to worry about because the app is entirely local. And so that's always kind of a recommendation. If you if you're kind of timid about what this is going to be like, maybe start off with something that doesn't have a backend um, or has as simple a backend as possible, because it is really reassuring that like there's nothing in this app that can there's no data that the user can lose. There's no um, backend infrastructure I need to maintain. Like it is just an app that you launch. You if you, you give it permission to access your health kit data, it pulls it in and shows it to you. And like that's all it does. And so that was really um, a nice thing, especially when I'm on vacation. Like I launched it and kind of participated slightly in it. Um, and, and but then you know, went back to my vacation and you know went to the Grand Canyon the next day and um, hiked around there with my family and didn't really pay much attention to it, which was odd but nice. Um, but That's just keep awesome. that in, so you know you just kind of have to keep that in mind when you're launching these things that you have no control over it. That ultimate and being you just kind of like I don't even know if it's like a Zen thing, which is like accept that, accept that you have no control about the situation and just kind of roll with it as it goes. Because there were certainly times that I would get a bit frustrated, but ultimately, like it worked out, it worked out fine. You know, the app's in the store, it's live, and you know, I just decided, you know, it's uh, this is the right time to launch it because if this is when the first approvals of nine three apps are going to go out, like I want to be in that wave. If there was a wave, as far as I know, there hasn't been much of a wave, and so my kind of my some of my fears weren't um, were a bit un, um, unfounded. But you never know because a lot of these things, you just end up kind of fearing the unknown when you're launching an app. Like I got it. Like I've been doing this for seven and a half years, I think, and I still have like tremendous anxiety about launching something new and I, I say that because hopefully that's helpful to you know listeners of the show who are launching things of themselves um, when you look at it's like if you're launching your first app you're probably just as nervous as I still am um, about it and that's okay that's part of the process like I and you have these fears of like what if this is actually not very good what if I'm putting this out in the world and everyone's you know kind of gonna laugh at me like these it becomes very like I'm like in high school or middle school or something like this kind of that feeling of being nervous of what other people think of you. Oh, I'm the same way. Yeah. And I think that's healthy to say though, like it is difficult and you're no matter what you're going to feel that way. So just like embrace it and understand that it gets better because if you've been building it right, if you've been making, you know, a thoughtful design that works well and is functional and you've tested it and you've beta tested it and you've beta tested it with the right people who are hopefully you know would be honest with you if it really wasn't very good um and they say it's good then just trust them and go for it and you know maybe it'll be awesome maybe it'll be mediocre but um you know it doesn't do any good to um fret too much about it as much as you can um and then, yeah, and then it's out in the world. And now it's like the funny thing. Um, I always try and celebrate launches. You know, it's like, you know, we were on vacation, but we did our best to kind of celebrate that it was out in the world. Um, especially I try and bring my kids into that um, to because they have kind of a vague sense of what daddy does. And so it's kind of fun when I can show them like, hey, here's this thing I just launched in the app store. And I can like show it to them in the app store. Um, and then the funny thing about launching is it feels like this big deal and then it's done. And then you just move on. 
And now you get a big <laughs> long list of bugs, the things you have to fix, and you just keep going on that. Um, and so it's like you want, you want to celebrate it. And now it's like, all right, now it's on to, you know, 1.1 or 1.01 or uh, you, you identify all the issues that you just never even thought could be issues, um, which is always the most striking thing to launch an app for myself where you, you have somebody who gives you feedback and you're like, huh, <laughs> you are absolutely right. But I had never, ever thought about that. And like, that's always the best and most fun feedback to get. That's why my overcast beta was six months long. <laughs> there you go. And it was a much, I was on, the, I was on it from the first one to the last one. And yep. I would say it got a lot better. It did. It really did. Everything I hadn't thought of, everyone, everyone brought up. <laughs> All right. I think that does it for this week. So congratulations on the launch. Any Thank closing you. thoughts? No, I think I, the only thing I'd say is, you know, launch something. It's, it's, it's exciting. Like I always hate, I get a lot of questions from people like, how do I get started? And it's like, you know, the best way to get started is to write something and ship it. Like there's not a, like magic rocket science to this. And you just have to do that. And the more you do that, the better you get at doing it. And the better your apps will be as a result. And, you know, I've launched a lot of products as I have a bit of a um, penchant for doing. And, you know, I imagine in June, we'll get a bunch of new APIs and new opportunities. And so I'd encourage everyone to look at them, you know, just don't look at the same ones that I'm looking at. Uh, <laughs> We don't, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a problem. <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. And uh, everybody, please go out and buy Activity Plus Plus because David won't say it, but I will. And uh, we will talk to you next week. <laughs> thanks. Bye.